Today, This American Dice presents GM advice, specifically interesting conflicts and how to create them. David and Austin sit down to tell you how to make conflicts in your game a little bit more interesting. Check it out here on This American Dice. Today we're going to be talking about creating interesting conflicts. Oh, that sounds interesting, Austin. Oh, your name. Here's, here's a here's a conflict already, David. Oh my God, that you interrupted me. <laughs> the uh, so I wanted to talk about this because we've played role playing games where you get into a conflict. No, we haven't. Well, now here's one right in person. Uh, but this is my job in this one, right? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> um, we've played role playing games where. Some of the narrative conflicts have some problems that they're not as interesting as they necessarily could be. We've also played some role-playing games where uh, where combat is a feature and the combat isn't as interesting as it could be. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to provide some insight based on mostly whoopsies that have happened in the past mm-hmm. uh, that we can help to remedy or settle and try to help people understand what not to do and perhaps what to do as well. Yeah. Learn from our mistakes. Yeah. So, all right. So what do I mean by conflicts? The first thing is that I have, we have two parts to this. The first is just like a narrative conflict, just conflict in the general capacity that there are people who have opposing interests in some kind of capacity or another, whether it's two characters that want to do two different things. Exactly. Opposed to each other, right? Yeah. They're, they're opposed to each other. There is a conflict in that they do not want to do the same thing. And because of whatever they're talking about, doing one of those things means not doing the other or not doing it the way the other person wants. Mm -hmm. And so you've got that kind of conflict. The other kind of conflict that we're talking about is combat um, which is a big feature I in... Would, I would like this person to be hurt. Yeah. In... The other person doesn't want that. Yeah. Oh. They're kind of the same. Oh, okay. Yeah, same thing. Um, but yeah, so in whether it's old school Dungeons and Dragons, kind of like much crunchier systems or much more loosey-goosey systems, um, <laughs> how some of these conflicts work. So um, the first thing that I would say is that it's rare... That you don't want this well done. We're talking steaks. And then Kramer comes in. Yeah, I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Seinfeld about steaks. They're like, make any more conflict. Yeah, so. I'm a vegetarian, I don't know. Okay, so um, steaks in a conflict are one of the most important things. Now I get it. Oh, okay. Nailed it. So, yeah, we have to nail down a tent, the stakes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the stakes of a conflict are one of the most important things. So conflicts need to have something on the line. And if they don't, they don't matter. And I might argue you should skip them. So, uh, like, the conflict involved, if nothing can be lost or gained, there's no real drama. You need to have a situation where succeeding in this conflict, winning this conflict, being the person who comes out on top or being the group that comes out on top, whatever we're talking about, mm-hmm. there's something that matters to that. Uh, damn it. Uh, the, the easy conflict of that is, well, if you don't win, you're dead. But I think there needs to be stuff beyond that. That, like, that runs out pretty quick. If the only thing is, well, if you don't win, you die... It's not, it's useful, but since the characters, since the players are not the characters, it doesn't mean the same thing. And so in the end, there needs to be more of a narrative stake in what's going on of like, okay, well, if you don't win this conflict, whether you win or die, die, whether you live or die Mm -hmm. isn't the issue. Instead, the issue is like, does... Yeah. Does your does your daughter get the medicine to help her live? Like that's the important thing. So is that kind of a as the GM like the mental calculus going on in the background of you like all right, is this a real role or is this a real conflict? Like what's what do you like try to either vocally or just mentally like define what the stakes are before you kind of focus on 
some kind of conflict that's happening? Or I think that you as a GM should come up with what that conflict is and what those stakes are mm-hmm. um, ahead of time. You don't need to do this, like, plan this shit out in, way in advance. But, like, ahead of, like, when the conflict begins, you should know that these are the stakes of it. So I think that you should make it very clear to the players and thus their characters uh, that these are the stakes, especially to the players. Like, these are the stakes of what's going on. And having that information helps set the tone for what you're doing. So if you say these are the stakes, these are what is to be lost or to be gained in this conflict that helps the characters set that narratively and helps the tone helps a few other helps a few other things plus it can make it more interesting because obviously that's where drama comes from drama comes from conflict and yeah. uh yeah i think um especially when like i i at least try to kind of um i don't know say it out loud when i'm running a game and i right before we go to a roll or something there were some whatever conflict conflict resolution they use like a roll or a card or whatever. I know in um, a game I've never played um, that... Uh, Cut that part out. All right. But one of them, they use a... They, you, it's part of the rules where you have to say the stakes. The broken wheel. Burning wheel? Burning wheel, yes. Okay. Let me say that again. Mm-hmm. The game Burning Wheel, I know they make it part of the uh, the rules where you have to say the stakes as you're rolling or doing it. I've never played that game, but very smart of them. So I wonder, and this is, I'm glad that you're here, David, to talk about this. Given my thoughts that stakes need stakes are important for these conflicts to be interesting, what are your thoughts on random encounters? Um, I think they are interesting in, um, so I think their usefulness is, uh, for me, is it makes traveling more interesting, but otherwise, they're kind of dumb. It's like a like in D and D, for instance, if you're traveling from this site to like another country or to the other dungeon or whatever, it makes the traveling interesting because oh, we could have this random encounter, like a owl bears mm-hmm. ambushing us or something. It makes it more interesting having that like underlying danger. But usually I just don't do it unless it, unless we're bored with the traveling, kind of. When I was playing D&D back in high school and college, at least. What are your thoughts? I, because I, I wonder with that where, if it's like, if it is inherently just random, why almost bother doing it? Like, what is the stakes of this? And I, the only real answer I can have is to show that the area is dangerous so to show the area is dangerous there are these random encounters um and that those random encounters need to be deadly or dangerous because we're trying to show that the world that we live in is dangerous and so from getting from getting from the capital city out to the uh out to the steeps of west contralia (laughs) or whatever the fuck stupid thing it is um like to get to that is so dangerous that hold on I have to roll this die oh you encounter ogres like that kind of a deal mm-hmm. like so I can appreciate that but that kind of feels like the only real purpose to it is just to show that this is dangerous and I wonder if that's if in random encounters are the best way to do it yeah I feel like um the answer is probably no, because I feel like a lot of games that are designed now, like more modern games, um, they kind of do away with random encounters. I haven't kind of seen them in a long time. Even D&D kind of left them by the wayside. Um, there's In the, the new edition, 5th edition, the, the most popular one, I feel like they, they don't really have a lot of them. I know lots of them when we were a kid, like especially the earlier D&D situations. And like, I did L5R have... Random encounters and such? No. Um, there may have been something in one of the Game Master's guides that... 
was like a table that you could roll on, but I feel the rest of the game was so not geared towards that. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, combat was way rougher there. Yeah, yeah, I feel like most modern kind of game games they kind of uh, have steered away from that, as far as I can remember. And I'm sure as soon as I'll we're done recording, I'll think like, wait, actually, here's five that do it, but. Even at the time, I, I started in second edition, you know, and I remember meticulously as a teenager, like, making encounter tables for every different nation or environment of all the different worlds I was making up. Like, this has to be very important. I'll D100% table, you know? Um, and I feel like I used them, like, twice. But you're right. The the I think why they seared away from it, I think is what you're saying, is there's no stakes to it. It's just, this is almost a like a penalty for for travel slash i mean in the old school thing of like oh well also it's a reward because you get to fight this tribe of gerblins and now you get the experience for fighting the gerblins right yeah that's true but it's almost just a, and the, possibly the randomly rolled magic item that comes from the gerblin stronghold yeah and you know i don't know this this might be a i'm sorry if i'm uh tangenting too much but in video game stuff like that's definitely a thing still like final fantasy and all those mm-hmm. you know when you're going in on the map and then it pixelates and i mean i guess that's pretty old now too but like uh they they keep the random um encounters in and it's kind of like a you're using up your resources like your hit points and your spells and whatever so i guess maybe that's a reason for it but it's right they feel kind of hollow kind of empty because it's I just want to get through this battle. I don't want to... Right. The battle doesn't mean anything. There's no drama so, to it. Yeah. There's no drama to it. So here's another thing I would say that goes along with the stakes. The status quo, when you have a conflict, the status quo needs to be changed in some way or another when the conflict is resolved. Mm-hmm. So even if, even if the deal is, I'm Prince Turdlinger of the realm of Buttfuck, and I'm the prince of this realm, and there's a person challenging me. Well, if that's the if that's the status quo, well, in the end, if I defeat that challenger, and that challenger is no longer a challenger, that is a change in the status quo. Mm-hmm. Um, but there there needs to be a change in the status quo all the time. Like you can't just have it be. And I think that that connects us to our random encounters thing that we were just talking about. Are these encounters going to change up the status quo that much um, or not? And I think if they're if they're not a threat to the status quo, to what's going on in the story, skip it. So if there is a random encounter and you're trying to show that things are dangerous and like coming out into these woods is is a fucking nightmare like this is why this is why nobody comes out here like okay that can be a big thing but you need to make sure that in addition to it's dangerous that there be the state that there be a change to the situation that like oh well by losing well we never find the cure for your daughter (laughs) <laughs> oh, by losing, then um, we don't rescue the the nephew who's the last lord of Belfagar Keep, or whatever right. it is. And you might be building up to this, sorry if I'm stealing your thunder, but... My thunder! <laughs> I feel like na- nowadays, like if I were to, if I were running Dungeon World, and I want to have, you know, uh, get and, across... And based on our uh, publishing schedule, you're soon going to be running Dungeon World, right? Well, Yes, perhaps I'll, I might have used this in the past future, but um, yeah, if if I was trying to get across to the players that traveling these roads or whatever is dangerous, um, instead of doing a whole battle, if it was unnecessary, I I think I would now just do like, all right, Albert's um, um, assault your camp while you're sleeping. How do you defeat them? Give me one sentence. How are you awesome during this fight? You, uh, Andrew, give me one sentence about how you helped to fight, to fend off the uh, party from these owlbears. 
Austin, you give me, how did you defeat an owlbear? Really cool. I'm like, I awesome. My name's Austin. I took a shit in my pants. Yeah. It's like, well, that didn't help, but it's cool. That's, that's, that's fun. Just like montage the whole thing. If it's, if there's no stakes and there's no real drama, just like, um, here's a good opportunity to, to kind of let the players show how cool their characters are. If you really want to have that kind of stuff, you know, especially if there's no drama, there's no stakes and it. There's no chance of the status quo changing at all. Like you said, mm-hmm. like just montage it, like yeah. let them keep the combat and kind of show how cool they are. But, Yes, and I think why that, go through the motions? I, 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 yeah, I, I'm there with you with that. Where it's like, if there's no real stakes, just move through the stuff. Yeah, I feel and, montages when when I figured that out in role playing games, like change everything. And and the way you described it, I think, is a good way to do it. Where it's like, if we're trying to show the forest that you guys passed through to get to this point is dangerous. Tell us how it's dangerous. Just have mm-hmm. the players tell you how it's dangerous. You don't need to run it as a conflict. You don't need to run it as like, a, oh, you have to fight the uh, the fungi, man, and the mm-hmm. black jelly. Oh, mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to do that stuff. And black pudding and myconids? Come on. Yes, I'm sorry. Black pudding and myconids. And um, the Micro Machines guy who talks real fast. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so you don't have to do that stuff. Instead, you can say tell me about this, tell us about this. Um, and I think that that can be way faster. Yeah. And just get to the point. So I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, some examples or counterexamples thereof that I have of the status quo needing to be changed are... Some examples of the status quo that I have of needing to be changed and not being changed in L5R, Lean Meat, mm-hmm. the gambler. Yeah. You guys had a relationship with Lean Meat where he was going to give you this information. He never really gave you very much information. Mm-hmm. And then when he decided he didn't want to be involved with you guys anymore, it never changed. The better thing to do would have been to have given you more information. And then when he said, I don't want to do this anymore, and you let him be executed, to have that information dry up. We're all of a sudden like, Mm. oh, you had to make the choice of this dude was giving you this stuff. He was telling you what was going on. And now it's gone. Mm. That would have been more interesting. Instead, Lean Meat as a character came off. It's just as inconsequential. Yeah, um, so from a different perspective, um, I remember that being interesting to me as the player um, running um, that character's name. You remember him? Um, Tayo? Tayo, yes. When I was playing as Tayo, it was interesting to me because I had that choice of, are you going to let this kind of of like a peasant criminal Mm -hmm. kind of disrespect your honor? Like he's not doing his living up to his uh, deal that you made with him like how are you going to do that and i it's like you've kind of got to you kind of have to um come up with a an interesting way to to handle this or to show him who's boss sort of and it was very interesting to me as a player to be like oh yeah i'll let him die awesome so it might not have been the best uh most interesting conflict uh, to listen to but as a player that that was uh, one of the more memorable things for me at least. Yeah, it was uh, it was memorable as the person running the game to to be like that. You were just like, nope, this guy's gonna get killed. Okay, well, I guess he's gonna get executed. <laughs> All right. So another example of this, and it's again a counterexample, is way back when, in like two thousand seven, we were playing that vampire game. And we had um, a situation where there was like this nightclub that was run by a follower of Set called Senpet. Mm-hmm. And he ran this nightclub. And then I thought it would be an interesting thing where there was a like other followers of Set wanted to usurp that. And you guys ended up fighting with them. And they. You made a deal with them, the people who showed up in town, 
to get rid of him and replace him. I vaguely remember this. And um, just nothing changed. Like the exact, the relationship was exactly mm. the same. And oh, I think gotcha. that that was stupid because all it was was basically like, okay, well, here's this Motorcycle. time where you guys are fighting someone. And then later it's like, yeah, no, everything's good. Everything's cool. Mm. It's all the same. The, um, now you don't get your information. Now you don't get your potions from the red mage. You <laughs> get your potions from the purple mage. Right. Like, okay, well, the color changed. What does that mean? It didn't mean anything. Mm. And that should have been something different. That should have had something change where it was like, okay, there's a new man. Management's changed. I'm still helping you. But, and there should have been something different. Yeah. Yeah. Like, or just different. Right. And I didn't do that, and I think that that was a mistake of mine. Yeah, that makes sense. So, a thing that I do think should go on with conflicts to make conflicts interesting is that conflicts should be connected to, they should be personal to the PCs. Hmm. Whenever you can, a conflict should be personal to one of the player characters. If it's a fight with a random zombie, or it's, it's your your dead sister, yeah, exactly. No, it's exactly that. It's or somebody who looks like her. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to use the example that I think I did an okay job with that listeners have already heard. When Welker, when Chase Welker, Carl's character, you guys are you had captured Roberta Hellinger. When they take her away, one of the things was. Welker sees her as just a scared, I'm going to say kid, even though she's supposed to be 18 or 19, but like a scared kid. Mm -hmm. Like, and I pointed out, it reminds him of his daughter. Mm -hmm. And it's not personal. Just insert the in, insert a, in a way to make it personal. Yeah. Like, like this is connected to your story. And Carl, to his credit, did, ask about what happened to her like a few times throughout the game mm-hmm. uh, you'll have to listen in to find out the answers to those questions and what was going on but like that That's was something great. that was something that interested him because we had done that i wish i had like even hammered it more mm-hmm. of like oh you see her you see your daughter and every time you see your daughter's face you see Roberta Hellinger. Like, that was a thing yeah. I should have done. Of Like, every time you look at your daughter, you see Roberta Hellinger staring at you as she's being flown away to who knows where for who knows what. Every time you see the panther at the zoo. Yeah. Every time you see the local high school, the panthers, mm-hmm. you're like, no, no, no! Every Black Panther sequel you see. Every time you see... um. <laughs> Danny Glover. You're like, Danny Glover used to be a Black Panther. No, no, no! <laughs> yeah. Personal. So, yeah. Make it personal. So, <laughs> that that's, that's my suggestion is... Yeah, that's good Make advice. conflicts personal to the PCs. Connect it to their story. We have talked in the past about, like, should you read a player's backstory or this, blah, blah, blah. Get some of those things, put them in there because that that connects the player to what's going on. And oh, the, this is a leads right into kind of a like those leading questions. Ha, leads are okay, I get it. But no, those leading questions that Power Valley Apocalypse games tell the the MCs or GMs to to always do. Like you, you could, I've done this before for sure. Just like oh, who does this remind you of or something? Yeah. That's or, or no, it's that's, like how does this uh, remind you of your your time in the war or something, or when was the last time you killed someone like this kind of thing? Yeah, that's that's a great thing to do. Just connect what's going on. Yeah. To the person's backstory. Yeah. Even if you don't have something in mind, just make them do it. Yeah, that's that's a great idea. Put the work on them. I'm doing enough here. Come on. Hey. So, I'm ready to switch it up to the fist fight for us yeah well specifically about combat to change things to oh. combat conflict that wasn't that far off yeah well, let's do yeah. it so 
A lot of role-playing games are you pretend to be a, per, a knight of Dorcas and then you talk in your voice. But a lot of these games also have a combat component that's much more uh, mechanical. It's much more crunchy. It's much more based on rules. Mm-hmm. And so I have some suggestions for that. Though we don't often play games that are in that situation. Go for it. So, uh, my first one is moves are better than numbers. If you if you can have a character have moves, things that they do that are different, it's way better than having them have do more damage. It's way better than having them do have more HP or hit points. It's made better way better than having them have a higher armor class or to hit number, whatever you want to call it. All the number stuff. If you have a thing that this character can do that's different, it's more interesting. So Wait, that goes through the roof. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter if you're like, oh, well, now this character has 25 more hit points. Like, that's not interesting. Having the like character. More options. Having the character have options of what to do. More choices. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of more resources. Is more interesting. Yeah. So, damage, HP, armor are less interesting than stuff the character can do. An easy example of that in Dungeon World is the fighter move heirloom heirloom is the is the move that basically says like oh you talk to the spirit in your weapon mm-hmm. there's so much more that you can do with that as a player and as a gm because once you've established hey there's a spirit in this weapon well now you could at any point be like hey your wep- your sword starts talking to you and saying that you can bring that up at any point there's so much more that you can do there than, for instance, the move Merciless, which just gives you more damage. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of boring by comparison. It's useful, it's mechanically effective, but it's not as interesting to happen where you're like, I do an additional D4 or D6 to what I Like, that's not as interesting yeah. than, like, all of a sudden, my great-grandfather who... I'd always thought was a legend, like, talks to me and is like, no, you must do this. You have conquered the Lord of Sipanofria. <laughs> like, that kind of deal. Yeah, it's like, if I can charge enemies, that's more interesting than I, I'm better at hitting now. Yeah, I mean, well, that's 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 an example of... Charge. Try to put it in, like, D&D terms now. Doing more stuff is more interesting. Having different things you can do mm-hmm. is a more interesting thing than just the numbers. Yeah. Where if you're like, oh, well, I'm wearing a ring and you, the ring increases my armor class by two. Okay, that's fine. But if instead it did something else, even if it had the same mechanical aspects, it could be much, 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 much more interesting. Um, fighting a bad guy. One of the things that you can run into is doing the same thing over and over and over again mm-hmm. in a combat. If you're a fighter, your main thing is, I hit the thing with my weapon. Right. So if you're playing Dungeon World, it's like, all right, well, I guess I hack and slash this again. I guess I hack and slash this again. Uh-huh. I guess I hack and slash this again. And instead... It's one of the criticisms with D&D, for sure. Like, oh. with the fighter, it's just like, you press the fight button. Right. Oh, for sure. I can remember that as, like, playing Diablo, being like, all right, well, I have a lot of strength, and I have a sword, so I'm hitting you with the sword. Right. Um, Ironically, 4th Edition kind of fixed that, and everyone hated it. I enjoyed 4th Edition a lot. Yeah. But, the, um, but, yeah, so in that situation, what you have is you have to think more 4th Edition what can change this up? What can make mm-hmm. this more interesting rather than just, I hit, I hit, I hit, I hit, I hit, I attack, I attack, I attack. If you are if you run into the situation where, I would say, if you have a player who does the same thing twice in a row, you need to change stuff up 
where they can't do that again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Like something has happened and changed in the combat where they can't just do it again. Yeah. So if it's just like, oh, I'm fighting the ogres, I attacked, I attacked again, it's my turn a third time, don't let them do that. Like, yeah. Change it up so they can't. Exactly, yeah. I think it's the the uh, the GM advice here would be try to change the environment, like the status, the status quo of this battle in this situation, if, you, if we're distilling it, but change the the um the battlefield like as much as you can like maybe once around or however much like that ogre you said maybe he like smashes a wall or something and now there's a whole hole in the the side of this airship or whatever yeah and um so now we have to deal with this um gale force wind we might fall to our death and also this ogre the ogre's on the airship that's why no that's that's exactly i literally wrote my examples were Changing the environment rather than hitting things with a club. Yeah. The other one I have is raising zombies rather than shooting shooting a lightning bolt at something. Mm-hmm. Like that's basically the same deal of like create an additional threat in one way or another rather than just okay. Well, the bad guy shoots lightning. It does three d four damage. Mm-hmm. Like and just keep doing it. like, especially in Dungeons and Dragons where that combat is going to be so long do more stuff there in other games you the in other games that is the same like that issue is the same thing like you need to make things narrative yeah you, you can't just say hey yeah. well this does for harm cuz i feel in some of our games we've done that where a person's like oh oops of 7 harm i've received 5 I'm in bad shape. Mm-hmm. All right, well, this is done. And then it's like, okay, well, that didn't matter. It didn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. It's way more interesting to, to change the options than to um, just keep hacking away at hit points. All right, well, speaking of hacking away... A suggestion I have is make sure that players have successes. And this is a thing that David can perhaps uh, make jokes about me in my uh, in my career as a person running games. I would never. You need to, in games, make sure that the players have some kind of success. It's easy to say, like, I want to create this fortress that they can never break into. I want to create this uh, attack that they can never get around. My suggestion would almost always be, don't do that. Instead, have something where they can break into this. They can be overlooked by the hunters that are hunting them down, whatever it is. Use, Use the resources you have for sure. But don't don't try to create obstacles that they just can't overcome, uh, especially in mundane means. So if you have a character that is if you have a, if you're playing a D&D game and you have a character who's fighting something and they just keep missing the big bad because the big bad's armor class is just so high. Mm-hmm. They can never hit it. The deal is that's not very fun. It's not very fun not only because the player character isn't succeeding, but because nothing's happening. You're literally missing and missing and missing and missing and missing. Right. So instead, what I would suggest is give them some kind of success. This happens. You do hit this character. You do hit the dragon, but... And even if they don't do anything substantive, give them a way where they've succeeded in that capacity so that way they know what's up. They aren't just going, oh, well, nothing happened. So um, I'm probably going to paraphrase this in, like poorly, but uh, I, think, I think I read this in this uh, role-playing advice book like a decade ago. It's like Hamlet's hit points. 
It might be Robin Laws. Who knows? But anyway, I think, I'm pretty sure the rule is that I've been keeping in the back of my head. Sometimes I follow, sometimes I don't. But they suggest never do the same, um, like, mood three times in a row. So, for instance, um, like, a positive kind of mood. Like, oh, we have got a great success. We did it. Incredible. You can do that twice, but the third time, make it, like, a low. Like, now we failed. This is awful. And like the inverse of that too like if you've uh failed like the players fail really hard like oh we what a terrible loss and the next scene like oh wow it's even worse now we got what an awful loss that third one has to be like and now we've succeeded like never do the same one three times in a row you can do it two times and you can alternate that's totally fine but never do it three times does that make sense mm-hmm. so kind of what you're saying if even in battle i think they they're kind of thinking of it in like scenes, like overall, you know, scenes of us, the story going on. But in a battle, for instance, you could kind of narrow it down even there. Like if people missed two times in a row, like really significant kind of awful things are going on. Like they, they're hitting this person and they just bounce off, you know, um, try to give them at least some kind of hint. Like you got to do something here like or here's kind of a win or something you're giving me a weird look but i think that's uh i might not be making too much sense but that's kind of how their suggestion goes no giving giving people a look that they're winning in part is useful Mm -hmm. for sure like it makes it makes all of this stuff more palatable if nothing else and so you say like all right well we're trying to we're trying to get to the mystery monster, and while we don't know where it is, we do see that it left this claw behind. Like, okay, yeah. so whatever's there helps us deal with it. Yeah, I think th- uh, this thing is trying to just put a number to it. Like, you can have two bad things happen in a row, but don't make it three bad things. That's a way better way to say it than that 13-hour or 30-minute diatribe I just did. Anyway, what else we got? Narrative changes. Even in combat, one of the things that you need to do is have narrative changes occur in the story. Mm -hmm. If two characters are fighting each other and the only thing that changes is does one character live and does the other die... That's a bit, those are good stakes, but you need to narratively connect that to other stuff. Mm-hmm. You need to have it as like, oh, what does it mean for this character to live? What does it mean for this character to die? And um, you need to provide motivations that are connected to that. So, you know, this character defeating Conan the Barbarian. Does it mean that the village he lives in gets to go back to their old way of life? Does it mean that he's um, freed the people of this city? Does it mean that um, he's just avenged himself on this person and the way that everything is working continues to do its thing? Like, that kind of deal. Like, you need to know what's going on. And essentially, that's the stakes setting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like change changing the status quo yeah yeah for sure um so revealing that change uh of the stakes or providing new motivations can make for really good drama yeah all right so second to last big topic i'd say is accepting defeat Mm -hmm. and this was tough when i was a kid You'd have a NPC, and you thought that NPC was really cool and would just, mm. would do all these things. And this is the NPC that really, if you would want to play a game, this is the NPC you'd want to play. And <laughs> um, instead, like a character just beats the shit out of them, like they, you forgot how the system worked, or you forgot how this or that, or you just got lucky, and so now you're playing this character, and the character is just defeated mm-hmm. beyond belief. So what do you do to make this character something good for the story? Or do you bail and just 
Choose a new game. <laughs> um, as the GM? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, again, going to the, uh, like, the Powered by the Apocalypse kind of the moves that they, they have and the suggestions or the principles, I guess, in this case. Um, one that almost all the games have is uh, be a fan of the players. So, um, oh, another one of the moves is, you know, in many of the games, kind of let the NPCs be disposable. Mm-hmm. But both of them combined is kind of, um, yeah, you had this badass, like, the coolest NPC lieutenant or, like, I don't know, big boss, and they killed him in one round. It's like, you know what? Just accept that's awesome. That was incredible. And then just immediately start thinking, what are the consequences of this person dying? Yeah. The consequences of what you just did is always a huge deal in these games, Mm -hmm. and that's, I think, a great thing. Uh, they can sometimes get lost because you're, if you're doing Powered by the Apocalypse or some of the other things, you have these wheels and you have to do blah, 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 and you just can't say, like, hey, the person that got you water is dead. Mm-hmm. So how do you get water now? Like, it's as mm-hmm. easy as that. Yeah. Just kind of think who depended on this person and now who's, you know, not having whatever that person was providing. Like, this this big boss had to have been a big boss somehow. What are they providing? How did they get here? And the one of the deals is that like losing arguments on TV. So getting characters who are in, on medical shows or whatever it might be, those aren't a loss. Even if a character is telling you, "Hey, this happened." How do I put it? Be open to the stakes changing, including that you've been captured, you lost, you need to surrender, that kind of thing. Like, that's tough to get through, especially for newer players. Um, Like, okay, I created this world, and these are where the bugbears live. And it's like, the bugbears will never give up. They're the bugbears. Like, if they do give up, it can often be more interesting. Yeah. So and don't be married to the first assessment of these characters you created are. Yeah, and I think, uh, I don't know, Matt Colville might have said this or some, some other smarter person, but usually, you know, any intelligent thing that's fighting you, mm-hmm. unless they're trying to eat you, like, it always makes more sense to take captives and to murder people because you can take this captive and sell them like as ransom, you know, you can, um, you know, give, make them give you secrets on other things that, that are more valuable. People are always, anything is more valuable alive than dead. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make a lot of sense to just like cold bloodly murder people. And if you just take a few seconds to think about it, if they're an intelligent person, unless they want to eat you, like there's a good reason to keep these NPCs alive, even when yeah. they fail. So, yeah. I mean, and bugbears are notoriously smart and strategic, so. All right. Um, what could you do if you have to accept defeat? If you have a character that you thought was cool, um, their brother shows up, their uncle shows up, their father shows up, their son shows up, or... The circle of revenge. Change the gender of that, or whatever you want to do. Their, their therm shows up. Um, and look is looking for revenge or something worse comes out because you oh. dealing with that instead now there's a power vacuum and something darker shows up or they were the only thing protecting us yeah from this exactly threat. yeah so yeah the they were the only badass bad enough to protect us from the tarask or something yeah exactly so you know yeah there was this bad lord in this area and you remove them kill them kick them out whatever it might be now the bandit queen is ready to pounce yeah the bandit queen's even worse um uh or dealing with a prisoner there's something so Mm. hey you know you can fight me but we've got these prisoners it's your brother it's your sister it's your daughter Mm. it's your mom it's it's the lord's it's the lord's favored concubine who's the mother of the heir apparent like Mm. 
wh- whoever it is, whatever it is, hostages and that kind of stuff, something captured or something dealt with can really change stuff up because you could say, like, all right, well, well, now do you fight these trolls if these trolls also have Lady Jessica at their mercy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just and that goes back to what we were saying before, just every defeat has consequences. Yeah. Every success does, too. Precisely. Finally, all right, so have the way that the PCs encounter bad guys, antagonists, whatever, it should show something about them. You might have a situation where, oh, will they kill these innocent people? Will they make it where all these folks who are, who've done bad things but aren't evil inherently can get up and out of the pit? Like, what's the deal? If you use the situation to show something about the player characters, that can not only be dramatic, but also lead to a lot of choices going forward. Because if I say like, oh, well, you know, no, I've decided the bugbears, I'm just going to kill all of them, including the bugbear children, because after all, they're just gross goblins. Those are bug cubs. Bug cubs, yeah. A little... Little bug, bug cublins. Hi, I'm bug cublins. You guys want to hang out? Yeah, so, uh, if, even if you're killing the bug cublins, what does that say about you? And then that can come up later where a person can say like, oh, hero of, hero of the North March. You mean the, you, you mean the murderer of the massacre of North March? Yeah. Like that kind of deal. Like you can have characters have different opinions and that becomes interesting. So having characters uh, explain their motivations or ethics or morals during a conflict can really, really help because it puts that stuff out there. And my easiest example is Return of the Jedi. In Return of the Jedi, Luke surrenders himself and he does not want to fight Darth Vader, and he does not want to fight the Emperor. And basically the Emperor and Darth Vader goad him into finally fighting them. And he becomes like a ninja where he's flipping around and going nuts, and you're like, whoa, that's wild. Um, If only David Lynch had directed this. Oh, wait, he's directing Dune. Oh, wait, he said it's the biggest mistake of his career. Um, But yeah, so you have... Luke Skywalker flipping around and doing all this stuff and as cool as it is to have him do that it's because he's been pushed to this degree by the Emperor and by Darth Vader and they've now activated this in him where he's going to respond to them and then the issue becomes again spoiler alert for a movie that's 37 years old um like, permit saying yeah he's like <laughs> miss piggy in here oh, he just can't even stand her um he's like oh, i fuck one pig and now i'm the pig fucker um hey it's me nick cage uh but yeah so he the change up occurs at some point where he decides i'm no longer just going to try to hide i'm pissed off i'm so mad and I'm so mad, not just at the Emperor, but also at my father, at Darth Vader. And he's just trying to kill him. And then his almost killing him then changes other things in the story. Mm-hmm. So, like, that narrative aspect going on. And we've talked about this before when we talked about bad guys and good, I shouldn't say good, quality bad guys mm-hmm. or quality antagonists. Mm-hmm. One of the things that people critique the Darth Maul versus Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan thing is Mm -hmm. those characters aren't related to one another. They don't know each other at all. Mm -hmm. They don't have any conversation. There's nothing revealed. And what happens? Well, they fight. Mm -hmm. It looks cool, but... Some good music. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you have that stuff happen... 
But to make a conflict more interesting, you need the characters to be involved and you need the characters to have a buy-in and those stakes to be there to say, hey, you know, I'm not going to fight you. You're my father. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give in to the Emperor's bullshit and go into the dark side. That's so much of a better thing where then he has to defend himself from Darth Vader and then later on he flips out and fights against him and he's gonna he's about to kill him before they then get Jar Jar Binks involved and Jar Jar Binks and Watto are like <laughs> Annie me so no Annie and then like they just fuck each other so hard it blasts Darth Vader's helmet right off and it mm-hmm. shoots the Emperor in the dick. We've all seen Return of the Jedi also. Yeah. It might as well be called Return of the Jedi. <laughs> anyway. So those are my suggestions. It should be connected to the characters. Conflicts make more sense when there are stakes. I think random encounters, with the exception that it just shows that this area is dangerous, doesn't... Random encounters don't work very well. They don't show us very much. It's better to have these conflicts be directly connected to the story of the character in the world. I think it's okay to ask your players if you're not too sure of the stakes, just like, what are the stakes here? If no one can come up with any, just like I was saying with the random encounter, just like, eh, it's a montage then. How do you defeat this person if there's no stakes? Well, if, if there's no... I would still say if there's no real stakes, then skip over it if you want to still have that conflict, if you still want to say, like, oh, while you're en route to the Forbidden Forest, the giant scorpions show up, or whatever it is, talk to them about that and have it be connected. So the things that you're saying of, like, how do we know this? How do you defeat these scorpions? Tell them to connect it to their character so we either learn more about their character or there's an additional change or an additional stressor when it comes to this stuff. So that way there's more drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, do you still feel um, conflicted on this topic? I mean, always. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect time oh, to I'm <laughs> going to... I need Balto to bring that medicine. <laughs> Despite how that goose looked, that young man... Did not make it. Balto just didn't show up. Thanks for joining us for This American Dice Presents GM Advice. Making conflicts interesting with David and Austin. Join us next week for another exciting episode of This American Dice.